Hello and welcome to The David Dole Show for April 4th, 2019. I'm your host, David Dole, and as you can tell, this is not the radio. So usually I have this big David Dole intro, music plays, I come in. Yeah, I I stopped doing the radio show. So if you're not um if you're not on Twitter, uh, you may not uh, have realized or or learned this information till now, but um Twitter is where I do most of my communicating with uh, my followers. I decided to leave the radio show to focus on YouTube videos and I'm honestly very glad I did. I was working seven days a week doing the radio show and YouTube. It was just way too much. I had to uh, focus my time down on on doing YouTube videos. But um, I still want to continue this podcast. So I'm still trying to think of ways to really do this. Uh, I am taking suggestions. So if you have any suggestions, the best way to, to uh, reach me is on Twitter, at uh, David Dole, uh, D-A-V-I-D-D-O-E-L, all one word. And... Uh, Send me what you think uh, I should do for this podcast. So should it be original content? Should it simply be my videos in audio form, which is something that I've also considered doing since I know a lot of people simply want to be able to uh, hear this, uh, hear my segments while they're, you know, on their commute to work. So maybe making my segments into audio clips and and putting that out as a podcast would be uh, beneficial to some people. But I also still want to do some original stuff too. So um, uh, for this show though, since I'm still trying to figure this all out, I did an interview with uh, Christo Avalis uh, on Justin Trudeau and uh, how these uh, two MPs have just been uh, kicked out of the Liberal Caucus. So I shot this uh, interview uh, for YouTube, but I do want to share it here for the podcast audience. And again, if you have some suggestions for what you want to see from this podcast going forward, let me know on Twitter at David Dole, D-O-E-L. Here's the interview with Christo Avalis. Hey folks, so I have an interview here today uh, to discuss a huge scandal that's been going on in Canada, and there's been some more news that's come out of this, and it's kind of unclear how this is all going to play out. So I have on the show today Christo Avalis. He is a postdoctoral fellow in the History Department at the University of Toronto, with writing credits in Maclean's, The Globe and Mail, and The Washington Post, and he also hosts his own YouTube channel that I'll link to below this video, so you can check that out. Christo, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So let's uh, let me just go over quickly what just happened yesterday. So Trudeau has expelled Liberal MPs Jody Wilson-Raybould and Jane Philpot from the Liberal Caucus, and uh, this is what were your initial <laughs> thoughts? So I was yeah. I was kind of already expecting this in a way, but at the same time, this is not good for the Liberal Party whatsoever. No, I mean, if I was a betting man, I would I would agree. I probably would have said they are going to expel. Uh, you know, Jody Wilson-Raybould and Jane Philpott, especially Jody Wilson-Raybould. But I wasn't sure 100%. I didn't know uh, when, for instance. But uh, it did seem to me that uh, it, this was going to happen. And it's not good for a bunch of reasons. One, it it's obviously a, a, the scandal continues. It's not dying. You know, this started in early February. And then, you know, it started as a drip and it's drip, 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 drip. And maybe now the liberals feel that now they've expelled the people that they feel are at the center center of the debate of the scandal. Maybe this is over, but I don't think it is. It's also a challenge for the Liberal Party because they made such a big deal out of, a, you know, a gender balanced and diverse cabinet in 2015, where it says we're not just going to have token representation of women and racialized people and indigenous people in our caucus. They're going to have meaningful positions of meaningful power. And yet what we've seen 
at least from my reading of the situation, is that when those women, and one, uh, an indigenous woman in particular, spoke truth to power and said, look, maybe we shouldn't bail out a company that, that you know, frankly doesn't deserve it, then, mm-hmm. you know, she was ultimately removed from her position and then ultimately, you know, forced out of the party. It, it doesn't look good for the rhetoric of the Liberal Party matching up against the reality of the Liberal Party. Yeah, so let me just give uh, Trudeau's quote here. Uh, so he told uh, the National Caucus yesterday, quote, the trust that previously existed between these two individuals and our team has been broken, whether it's taping conversations without consent or repeatedly expressing a lack of confidence in our government or me personally as a leader. Our political opponents win when uh, liberals are divided. So what are your thoughts on, on Trudeau's, I guess, his reasoning here, his excuse for, for doing this? I mean, I don't I don't strictly buy it. Um you know, his point is that, you know, it's like we, there's no trust anymore between the various parties, and that's why we had to sever the relationship. But I feel, frankly, that the reason there isn't trust is on a particular matter of policy disagreement rather than like a broader ideological issue. And I think that Jody Wilson-Raybould and Jane Philpott, they wanted to remain liberals, um, not because they're part of Team Trudeau, because Trudeau is not the liberal party, or at the very least, he shouldn't yeah. be. Trudeau shouldn't be seen as the Liberal Party. He is the leader of that party. He's obviously an important man in that party, but he is not the Liberal Party. And so it's perfectly reasonable for Wilson-Raybould and Philpott to say, look, we have disagreement with the Prime Minister and people like Gerald Butts and, and maybe the broader cabinet even, but we have faith in this party and the values. And Jody Wilson-Raybould noted this in her, in her letter that she wrote just before the resignation, just before the expulsion came down, which is that, look, some of the things we ran on in 2015, this government hasn't upheld, like electoral reform, she noted. But she says that those are still values she feels that the average liberal, and that importantly for these people, that the liberals in their own writings, uh, because that's who they ultimately represent as people in their writing, that they support. And I think that's a reasonable position. And I think one other thing just to quickly note is that mm -hmm. if you remember the grassy, I know you covered it on your show, the grassy Knowles protest and how, Justin Trudeau had the the young woman forced out of the room, and as the rich liberal donors chortled as she was forced out, Justin Trudeau said, look, what makes the Liberal Party great is we tolerate a wide diversity of views. And yet here we see that's not really the case, right? The view, a wide diversity of views, but when that diversity of views extends to the fact that, hey, maybe the company that bribed the Gaddafi family and that has made historically illegal donations to the Liberal Party, maybe we shouldn't give them a deferred prosecution agreement. That's outside the Liberal Party's big tent, right? So I think it's, yeah. it, doesn't, it doesn't pass the smell test. I'm just trying to understand here, what, what does Trudeau think people are going to, uh, uh, how people are going to feel about this? Because I, I don't understand how anybody can possibly think this makes the Liberals look good. That having somebody speak truth to power within your own party and then you kick them out i don't it, i mean it show it it displays what you're saying that there is no there is no um freedom of thought here that you have to fall in line if you're not if you're not with the leader then you don't belong here there, there can be no questions at all about about you know my leadership or what the liberals are doing having that sort uh, of leader i think i mean it, it clearly shows you that these liberal mps are not free to sort of explore ideas on their own and and they really have to fall in line and they can't question anything and if they do as we've seen trudeau is going to hold them accountable but i just don't i don't understand how trudeau thinks this is going to help him like do you think this is a what do you think his calculation is 
in, in terms of like do you think this actually makes him look good <laughs> or is he aware that that he's he's doing this because i guess he feels challenged and he wants to uh, see the, the way i think of this i think he's more it's it's more of his bruised ego and yeah. he's not really thinking of the larger political landscape because if he did i just don't know how this can possibly help them in uh, whatsoever i mean this is a man who and i mean i don't know the finest details of his personal life but i mean i wrote a book about his his father and you yeah, know right. just justin trudeau has had a relatively barrier free life mm-hmm. and frankly he's had a relatively barrier free path to the office he currently holds obviously he had challenges he you know he he took his party from third to first you know he scored a big political victory in 2015 but he's never really had to face significant opposition from within his own movement until yeah. now until now where there's there's two cabinet ministers and a very important influential cabinet ministers standing up to him and i don't know if he handled this the best frankly i think he made a mistake i think that there was a path forward for him to um keep them in caucus but out of cabinet and say look we the cabinet solidarity is crucial canadians mm-hmm. would understand that but this party does accept a wide diversity of views and they are still liberals and we can work through this in the months and years to come yeah, I think that would have been a path forward, but I feel that maybe his calculation is this story is going to continue to go on and go on and go on, and almost borrowing from Sheila Copps, who uh, you know has has not been uh, the best ambassador for the liberal brand in the last few weeks. Her argument was like the boil has been lanced, and maybe that's the liberal strategist view. Like this is like a festering boil, and you that's... just got to get rid of it. And maybe they're hopeful that like yeah. look a couple factors one. We are almost in the summer break. Then there's going to be an election. Maybe the liberals are hopeful that over the summer, Canadians forget about this. Maybe the liberals, and, I, and I've talked about this. I'm sure you have. I know uh, I'm an NDP supporter. You as a Green supporter are probably even more, you know, or as a former Green candidate, are more, um, you know, cognizant of this. That, you know, first past the post is like the liberals oh, yeah. only kind of refuge. And I yeah. think, frankly, that's one of their hopes is that, look, they could do what they want because they feel they have the 70% of the electorate that, you know, isn't a diehard conservative. They have a good chunk of those people in varying degrees held hostage. And yeah. so it's like, well, Greens, NDPers, you know, other independents, um, they're not going to, they're not going to do anything about it. We have them, you know, lock, stock and barrel, you know, they'll grumble about this. They'll tweet about it, you know, all this, but they'll vote for us. And I think that's part of their calculation. So it's distance. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's perhaps this few. I think another factor, to be fair to Trudeau potentially, is it did seem like a lot of backbench liberal MPs were not happy with uh, Wilson Raybould and Phil Pot. A lot of the media coming out, it was very self-interested. It was like we're going to lose our our seats over this, right? So it wasn't about nine thousand jobs. It was about one hundred and seventy-nine liberal MP jobs, right? But the reality is that the, there's a lot of backbenchers and close ridings that feel that this scandal is going to make the difference between them winning and losing and i think some of them wanted vengeance now i don't know i don't know again i agree with yeah. you i don't think it was the right move no. but i'm like if i'm trying to look into it i think it's one we got progressives hostage what are they going to do right i don't agree with that obviously but that's what the liberals think that's what well, a lot of their supporters on twitter yeah. think uh two distance it like look we got months until the election summer's gonna happen people are gonna forget whatever right it's all about jobs and, and and things like that and then and then and then three it's the you know trudeau's got varying forms of pressure within his party 
And I think that he chose to go with uh, the, the, the side that wanted Wilson Raybould and Philpott gone. Yeah, but listen to the thing, though. I, I, I think it's already starting to work against them. So we, uh, I have a quote here from the Grand Chief Stuart, uh, Stuart Phillip, president of the Union of BC Indian Chiefs. He said about Trudeau here, quote, he's toast, absolutely toast. Once again, Mr. Trudeau has demonstrated his arrogance and did absolutely the worst thing he could possibly do. There's going to be an enormous backlash across the country in terms of indigenous people. So if this is true and there now becomes more, more uh, vocalized opposition, uh, vocalized progressive opposition towards uh, Justin Trudeau and the liberals. I mean, I see the potential there for, I mean, first past the post potentially can't even save the, the uh, liberal party at, at, at this point. So do you foresee uh, these sorts of uh, leaders coming out, more progressive leaders coming out and saying, hey, we, we just can't be with this, with this party anymore? Yeah, I would I would say so. And there's a couple key factors here. One, indigenous people are an important block in Canada. Um, they are a relatively small part of the population, you know, due to genocide and, and, and all yeah. of the, the realities of our history. But they are a significant part and they play a significant role in a lot of ridings. And specifically, Wilson Raybould being a BC MP and still being fairly popular out in BC, mm. I think is going to hurt Trudeau because BC is really like a, a true battleground province. A ton of seats, and, and depending on the region, the NDP, Liberals, Conservatives, and now even Greens are all in play for multiple seats in that province. Yeah. And the reality now is that Trudeau popularity tanking in BC could really hurt him. Because the reality is, is Trudeau, his path to a majority is going to be harder this time. Maybe he's banking on some pickups in Quebec. Indications are that he might gain some, but less than he'd hoped. Mm -hmm. He's going to lose some seats in the Maritimes. Uh, he's suffering right now in the Maritimes. Grenier has noted uh, from the CBC has noted that uh, the Maritimes is where the Liberals have taken the biggest hit actually so far in the scandal. There's only 32 seats out there, but the Liberals have all 32, so they can only lose. So if yeah. you think like where are they going to gain seats, it was like okay maybe Quebec, and 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 maybe BC, and BC it looks off the table right now for gains and might even be some losses. And I think you're right. You're going to see some some movement away from Trudeau, from, from progressives. They might not all move to a different party, but mm -hmm. even if they disengage, that'll hurt Trudeau. Even yeah, if they start, exactly. you know, just, just being home. quiet or yeah. yeah, staying home, being quiet, that'll hurt him. Another factor, as you noted, is that A word. Every party has like a weakness in people's minds, you know, whether it's the conservatives and being hateful or whether it's the NDP and being sort of idealistic or impractical. But the one that affects the liberals above all is arrogance. That's mm -hmm. something that the Liberal Party always ends up losing for, real or perceived. It's yeah. what took down the Martin Crete years. It's what took down Pierre Trudeau. It's what took down um, Kathleen Wynne here in Ontario. The reality is, is that when the Liberals are seen as arrogant, they lose. And yeah. Justin Trudeau, again, part of this is the way he talks. Conservatives find him arrogant. That whether fair or not, he has a certain presentation that is sort of hoity-toity, I feel, on a lot of people. Yeah. He's already starting at a disadvantage there. But when you add in this, when you add the thank you for your donation remark, when you add the fact that it's it just happens to be, if you listen to liberal supporters, that three women have gone down over this, two mm -hmm. of them non-white. It just happens to be, quote-unquote. All of this reeks of arrogance. The SNC, it's not just SNC. It's a company that 
Justin Trudeau uh, feels his personal electoral fortunes tied to. It's a company, again, with historical ties, in some cases illegal ties to the Liberal Party. And it's this, it's this general perception that the Liberal Party has, in some ways, even more fundamentally t- fundamental ties to like the corporate elite in Canada than the Conservatives even. And all of this ties into an arrogance that will hurt Trudeau. Now, again, like first past the post, it could be his savior, but it could be the, the razor that takes him out. Because, again, the, it's a cruel system. It's a cruel system where losing 6-7% of the vote could cost you half your seats, depending mm-hmm. on where it is. And it just, I wonder if liberal supporters right now are wondering if uh, it would have been best to keep that promise that they made 1,800 times. Right about now, I think it would have been a good time for it. Yeah, and I think people are just, they're they're wising up to Trudeau and his his phoniness. I mean, a a lot of the reason that I think he he won big in uh, in the election was because of Harper and the conservatives, and people were just tired of the conservative years, and they wanted a, a big change. So they sort of, I think people largely overlooked a lot of Trudeau's faults and a lot of his uh, fake feminism, a lot of his his yeah. fakeness in general, and voted for a party that at the time was trying to push a progressive message, in some ways trying to push a more progressive message than the NDP at the time. Now, uh, you know, on paper, I don't think that that's actually the case, but in terms of his uh, ability to, to sell that to people, I think that's what really led to that, that big uh, Trudeau majority. But this time around, people are seeing through it. And... and on top of the you know the, the phoniness and and the fake feminism, they're also now seeing the liberals clearly tied to corporate elitism, and having a combination of all these different factors now being obvious and, and upfront. I just think it's going to do what what you said. It's going to have people both leave to to different parties, but also have people just stay home and just be disengaged from the actual process, which I think will largely hurt the liberals uh, the most. So, from this point, where do you see, so? Uh, how do you see the the NDP and uh, potentially the Greens trying to capitalize on the the potential failure here of uh, of the Liberals? Yeah, I mean that's a great point. You know, it, you know, I'm of the mind uh, that that you are that you know the Liberals didn't really run to the left of the NDP in 2015, but they they were able to sell a message that you know the average voter saw as in the same realm as the NDP, mm-hmm. and they were successful at that. Um, you know, we could we could go through that platform and, and explore the differences. And, you know, the liberal the liberal middle class tax cut didn't help the middle class. We that, That's that's another yeah. story for another day. But the reality is, is you're right. They won on a progressive message. They certainly won their majority on a progressive message. You know, the, those last few seats that they got that gave them their majority were on things like electoral reform. We're on things like no more fossil fuel subsidies. We're on things like gender equality and reconciliation with indigenous peoples. And I think you're right that a lot of people are seeing now, a lot of younger people, and a lot of people with short political memories, are seeing that this is the same political party that put Jean Chrétien and Paul Martin into power. Yeah. The same party that, at the end of the day, represents the 1% and the 0.1%. Uh, and that, and, that's, and that's, that's never gone away. And again, this is where the rhetoric of Justin Trudeau's Liberal Party, which is different, is crashing up against the historical realities of the Liberal Party, which which are which are the same, which are basically the same. And there are times where that can work together. There are times when diversity can be folded into the traditional liberal mantra, like it is within corporate America and corporate Canada. Yeah. There are times where that synergy is possible. But there are times like when an indigenous woman says, look, you know, the the 
rule of law has been perverted so much in our country, and it's affected me and my people more than all. So I am especially sensitive to the need for rule of the the the, the rule of law being applied fairly and 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 equitably. Um, and Jody Wilson Raybould went took went down over that, and that was a fundamental worldview difference between an indigenous woman who has experiences with law and order being abused and a predominantly white male leadership of the Liberal Party, who has always seen law and order as a tool in their favor. And I think you're right as well, noting that the 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 uh, the Liberal Party's connections to corporate uh, elites here is very clear. And I think it's important to remind people that, you know, the liberals have talked about this 9,000 jobs thing, but it's really not about that. Because, and and you've talked about it, I've talked about it, lots of people have talked about it. Trudeau isn't doing anything for the workers in Oshawa. And Trudeau and the conservatives, to be fair, this is a kind of a dual united policy. Both of them went after postal workers on their Mm -hmm. things like the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, those workers' rights. And it should be remembered that um, you know, the Liberal Party has opposed Scott Duvall. He's an MP from Hamilton, an NDP MP from Hamilton. He's put a motion forward to, um, during breakup street proceedings, protect workers' benefits and pensions before investor, you know, golden parachutes and CEO golden parachutes. And the Liberals and Conservatives have resisted him. In fact, there was a uh, Liberal MP when he was approached by this who said, fuck the steel workers and fuck Stelco pensioners. You know, uh, yeah. I, and they're, those are his words. That's the Liberal Party. It's not yeah. about jobs. It's about the SNC Lavalin company. It's not about the 9,000 workers. Because mm-hmm. if it was about workers, we would see this government, um, you know, defending workers in other jurisdictions, maybe where their political fate isn't as closely tied to SNC. Yeah. We might also see them talk about creating a crown corporation. If SNC is so corrupt that they need to be punished, but the work still needs to be done. Why not just take these government contracts, because that's largely what SNC runs on, is government contracts, and just do it through a crown corporation. 9,000 jobs saved, a corrupt company goes down the drain. Best of both worlds. Because again, it's not really about that. It's about SNC being protected, because it's a liberal company, and it's part of the liberal brand. Yeah, and part of my fear is that's not really being discussed as much uh, in in the mainstream press as it should be. Because the fear I have is that the conservatives are going to benefit from this liberal scandal and they shouldn't be benefiting. I mean, this again, the, as you said, the liberals and the conservatives are on the same page on this. And look, I, I saw a tweet from, uh, from a uh, news talk where I used to have a radio show saying that, so they had Andrew Shear on and they were going to yeah. ask him if, uh, uh, if uh, he would be open to, to Jody Wilson Raybould and Jane Philpott joining the conservatives. And here I'm thinking like, why? Why would they do that? Like, what are you talking yeah. about? Like, yeah. Jody Wilson-Raybould, the, the the situation that happened to her would never have happened in the Conservative Party because the, the opportunity would have, have never been there. Yeah. I mean, the, yeah. the Justice Minister, if, if it was a Conservative Justice Minister, they would have went for the deferred prosecution agreement without question. So yeah. this this idea that these are what are open to conservative ideas now? No, these you people. I mean, the media really has to understand here and and communicate that the conservatives and the liberals historically are on the same page when it comes to corporate power. And that yeah. really only the NDP and the Greens are are, are challenging that and, and, and wanting to, to change that. So, I mean, wh- what do you see next for, for Jody Wilson-Raybould and Jane Philpott and even um, MP uh, Selena uh, Cesar Chavan? Do you see them uh, potentially joining the N- uh, NDP, maybe staying as independents, maybe just leaving altogether? I, I think... Uh, Selena said she is uh, isn't coming back. I'm not exactly sure about that. Um, but what do you see is is next for the for these MPs? Well, uh, Selena Cesar Chavan, 
basically her process was, uh, you know, she was left the Liberal caucus of, uh, last week, week before. Um, but before that, she had already announced that she wasn't running again, that she was going to leave. That was seen as uh, some people thought it, w- it was related to SNC. I think it at least is in part. Part of it could be related to the fact that that's a usually pretty solid blue riding that flipped in 2015. Mm, okay. Maybe there's a sense that that riding's going back to the Tories anyway, because the Liberals could win a majority and still lose that riding type thing, right? It's, yeah. It really is a, 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 a difficult one for them to win again. Um, Wilson Raybould and Jane Philpott, they seem committed to fighting this. In their messages last night after the expulsion, it wasn't like, well, I was booted from the party and therefore I'm leaving politics. It mm-hmm. seems like they're making a move to, to consolidate support in their ridings. Yeah. And I don't know what their ultimate futures are. Um, I, I would say I, it would be unlikely to see them join the Tories. Although, you know, this has been crazy politics. I mean, I, I, mean, I don't want to say I'd be shocked, but it, I, I guess would be too. <laughs> but I mean, one challenge with the NDP is that the NDP at federal level, at least, is generally reluctant to take floor crossers. Um, now, they're yeah. not floor crossers, right? That's the thing. Are they really yeah. floor crossers if they've been expelled from a party for speaking exactly. truth power? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe Jagmeet Singh has a different perspective. He also is a new leader with a new mandate. Uh, I don't think that rule is, I, 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 to my knowledge, I don't think that rule is codified that, you know, that, that it's a rule. Mm-hmm. So you might see them uh, move to the NDP. That's a possibility. Jody Wilson-Raybould, perhaps even more so, because her riding is in, in, in BC, where the NDP is as stronger. Philpott is not as much in a kind of traditional NDP-eligible riding. Mm-hmm. So there are, there are d- difficulties there. But I don't know. I don't know. I think it's possible, frankly, um, that these women could win as independents. I don't think that's yep. outside the realm of possibility. Now, there's a few caveats there. One, um, how actually strong is their support in the riding? Like, do the riding executives, do the rank and file bases of those ridings support them? And two, it's like in those ridings, at least, can they win over, you know, conservative and NDP support, right? Can they mm-hmm. win? Uh, go to those voters in those ridings and say, look, I know you're not liberals. I'm not anymore either. But you need me in Ottawa to keep Justin Trudeau honest. I've proven I can do that. So you need to elect me as a as an independent, and I will support on an issue by issue basis the best party positions. And I think that they could make a credible case. I really yeah. do. So I mean, I would say you know it's always hard for an independent to win. I don't think there's an. I can't remember the last time an independent has won a seat in the federal House of Commons and not just you know for instance become an independent because they've left a party. Yeah. I can't remember the last time an independent has won a seat. Um, so I would say it's unlikely, but I would say that this is a special case. So mm-hmm. you might see it happen. Yeah, this is a case of where they're, they're going to have more um, name recognition than other candidates uh, potentially would as independents because they've been in the news, because they stood up to, to the, the party. So I think you're right. I think that there is a if, – if anybody can win as, a, as an independent, I think it's these two MPs. But yeah. – um, I think uh, that's about it. Is there anything else I, I missed here that you want to uh, mention about the story? No, I mean, I think it's I think it's just it's, it's it's a really important one, I think. I think it's important because we're really talking not just about like this particular case, but it's like, what does the Liberal Party represent itself as? You know, how is it going to go into the next election? What is the role of women and of Indigenous people and of non-white people in the Liberal Party? Like, these are questions that Canadians are going to have and progressives especially you know, like, as you know, people that travel in our circles, some of whom are liberals, uh, most of whom are Greens and NDPers, but some of whom, you know, hold their noses and vote liberal. What are they going to think about all of this? And I think that's something that we haven't really reckoned with yet. And I'm excited to 
to have these conversations. Justin Trudeau thought, you know, in Sheila Cobb's language that the lance has been boiled and this story's over. But but now I think that he's made a mistake. And now Wilson Raybould and Phil Pot, now they're, I think, truly liberated to say what they want to say, at least yeah. politically, if not legally. That's right. All right. Thanks, Christopher, for joining me. Uh, check out his YouTube page. Uh, I'll link to it below the video. You have uh, What are your uh, most recent videos right now on the channel? I just made one last night actually talking about this. I've also made one recently about uh, talking about Bernie Sanders, why uh, millennials have this connection with him. You know, I make the case that, you know, whereas boomers and Gen X politicians kind of own, like, you know, were enmeshed in this neoliberal consensus when they're formative years, Bernie uh, knows a world before neoliberalism, and you know people mm -hmm. of our generation. We sort of only know neoliberalism, like from yeah. a from a from a, a life perspective. So it's like Bernie is giving this vision of politics that before him, uh, at least in the U.S., we, yeah. no one was talking about. Right. So that's yeah. why he's so special, millennial. So I think people would agree with that. I know you have a lot of supporters that that follow U.S. politics, and I think they'd like that video. Awesome. All right, check it out below. Uh, Christo, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me.